Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. What's with the, the congenial... Just feel so tickled to be doing this show. You know, it, it's, uh, it's a delight to get to work with my wife, and uh, I'm just happy to be recording this podcast. Well, me too, Justin. Okay. I- I'm excited this week. Mm. Um Lately, Justin, there's been a lot of uh, discourse in oh. the in the world, in the media, in oh, the yeah. news about sex and gender. Mm. And it occurred to me that we've never really done just like that as a topic on our show. Talk about sex and gender and like from a both a scientific and a historical perspective, what how have these ideas either changed or maybe just our understanding of them, our mm-hmm. knowledge of them has grown and evolved over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I think it's so important is that I keep seeing this argument lately that while we may believe, and this these are very much like Western, a lot of this American sort of thinking, but also like reflects a lot of Western ideas about gender, that while maybe now we're open to the possibility that gender is not binary, that gender mm-hmm. could be fluid, could be a spectrum, mm-hmm. that you see these arguments that like, well, but sex is not. Sex is binary. Sex is science. Sex right. is biology. Obviously, right. we all know this. And there are a lot of um, false arguments that are predicated on that, that as an accepted truth. That. But it is not a truth. Uh, it is yeah. wrong. It seems like that's. A lot of people like to frame the discourse as feelings or emotion or identity or society, whatever, versus hard, cold science. And you, Sydney, are here to rip science from their grasping hands. <laughs> well, I just think if you're going to— Take it to, back to the home team, as it were. If you're going to try to claim some, like the, some sort of um, belief system, basically, your own personal beliefs and biases are based in science— you better be right. <laughs> you better be right, or Sydney gonna um, come for you. Ask, ask the wellness community. Sydney gonna come. And if it's and the thing is, like, if you're if this is wrong and you're using it to uh, oppress others and to deny uh, the existence yeah. of of people, then you know you need to be called out and hey, educated. You, you just <laughs> happen to have a podcast. Uh, so that, that's what, that's what I wanted to talk about All today right. is let's, to, let's, let's focus on sex first. Yeah. The idea of sex. No, like, High five. Not sex, like. Great success. No. 
Okay. Great success. I have had a lot of conversations with even other like um, scientists. I forgot that when we're recording Sawbones, my button, my special button that makes Borat say my wife doesn't work. So folks at home, this is the second time I've done it and Rachel's had to edit it out both times. So to save Rachel the indignity, just pretend you heard Borat saying my wife. Okay, great. Go ahead. Sorry. So whether people are making their argument based on like chromosomes or wait, whether people are doing this? No. Because I not have <laughs> known a lot of different weather people that have not been in the way you're describing. <laughs> not meteorologists. Okay. Like whether. Whether <laughs> whether people whether. <laughs> are making this argument. We have taken a pronouncing WH words <laughs> like that around the house to help whether. our daughter. It's a double city. That's not even a WH word. I'm just realizing. Yeah, it is. Weather? Yeah, like I'm saying weather or not. I got you. Weather. Yeah, not weather like the outside. That is the pronunciation is very helpful in this case. Yes. Um, there, there, I have had people in science tell me like, well, there are two biological sexes, right? And again, they're usually basing this argument on either chromosomes, XX versus XY. There's a like binary sexes. Yes. Or there it's a more sort of base argument on like, well, you just look in the bathing suit area and you can tell. Yes. And obviously, I think it's easier for people to understand why that argument is unscientific and flawed. Um, but then they go back to the DNA chromosome thing and think like, well, but this is this is truth. I was taught it in high school science, which many of us were, right? Sure. You were probably taught that at some point. Yeah, I don't I don't pay I wasn't paying very close attention, but for <laughs> sure I'm sure I was taught that. So let's talk about let's start with chromosomes because there are many layers when it comes to like sexual development. Um, but let's start with, you know, the chromosomes. Okay. And to do that, we have to kind of get embryonic. So we talk about like the immediate forming of the embryo, okay. right? Like the sperm and the sperm egg come together. Egg, make a zygote. Yeah. So um, we, we, and we really, by the way, our beginning of understanding this process, the specific, like the genes and chromosomes and karyotypes and all this really developed in like the mid 1900s. That's when we began to look at genes and chromosomes and start to understand like when we talk about sex and like the layers of sexual development mm -hmm. and what equals what, that that is where we started to figure this out. There was a lot of research done by a psychologist named Dr. John Money and a pediatric endocrinologist named Dr. Claude Mijon. Mm. And uh, they did a lot of research on this back in like the 1950s. They actually had a, um, a gender-affirming clinic mm. that they would run to do like, you know, procedures and things for in this pursuit. So, mm. you know, this is when you start to see like the scientific understanding of this um, specific area of genetic research. Uh, the traditional understanding uh, was that XX means girl, XY means boy. This is a very sort of rudimentary kind of explanation that people would give you. Right. Um, and again, I'm not saying that is accurate, that it was the understanding. Uh, and uh, if we wanted to know a definitive answer, you could do what's called a karyotype, where you just, and you've probably seen pictures of this, all the pairs of chromosomes laid out mm -hmm. in a little photograph. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you look at the last pair. Is it XX or XY? Do they look the same or do they look different? And then that's it. Um, if this were done on all of us, if this exact procedure, if we all had a karyotype done, which you may have, I haven't, but some people have, you may actually be surprised as to what you would find because there aren't only two choices 
there aren't just XX and XY individuals. There are other combinations that can and do happen, some of which you know about because they present in a, in a physical form, right? Like you, they, in a clinical presentation in, the, in that person. And others which you may never know because as chromosomes are dividing, as cells are dividing, as genes are being exchanged between chromosomes, as all this is happening, there's always room for variation. That's why we all look different, right? Because mm -hmm. of all the variation that can occur during that process. So sometimes the chromosomes aren't distributed equally, and you get something like XXY or XO, meaning X alone, or you get XXX. Um, sometimes you can have transfers of genetic material between what we have commonly called the sex chromosomes, the X and Y chromosomes, right? So there's a part of the Y chromosome called the SRY region, and this is responsible for a lot of the secondary sexual characteristics. If that gets transferred to an X chromosome, then all of a sudden the X chromosome has those same properties. Well, well said. That we would associate with the Y chromosome. Um, and these things aren't just, a lot of times when you start to talk about this, even people who have heard this sort of science before will say, well, but like this never happened. I mean, like this is so rare, right? Like this is so incredibly rare. Yeah. Well, somebody who has triple X, three X chromosomes. <laughs> I, okay. Or XYY. Those are both about one in a thousand live births. I, want, I thought you were about to say somebody who has triple X on DVD. It's like. I love that flick. I didn't realize. Do you have triple X on DVD? Uh, no, I. You don't allow me to collect physical media anymore. <laughs> no, so. we had too much. The uh, D X X Y, which is the most common of these, is actually one in six hundred live births. That's more. Yes, my my Get point is my head. these aren't quite as rare as you think they are. Right. Um, and again, not everyone always realizes either immediately in puberty or ever that this might be true because you don't generally get to see your chromosome. No, that would be wild. There are also well, I other... I guess maybe Inside Out Boy, maybe <laughs> when he went over the bar on the swings, maybe he saw his chromosomes? No, you still they're too little. Oh, you still can't goodness. see them. Um, there's also other things that can happen that are, again, more, more rare than these conditions, but there's like mosaicism when there are different sets of chromosomes in different body cells. So depending on which cell from your body I sampled, I might see a different makeup there at oh, the end. Okay. Um, there's also something called uh, chimerism, and we've talked about these before on the show, yeah. where in utero, two fertilized eggs will fuse and form like, you know, one embryo, one, one eventual person. So within that person are basically two different sets of chromosomes. Whoa. So again, you, you could so cool. get completely different karyotypes based on which you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, those things happen. There's also like the exchange, we've talked about this before on the show too, I think, between a pregnant person and the fetus that happens where like some of the fetal cells get into the pregnant person's body and some of their cells get and they like, you can still find them later on. Mm. So again, you can find XXXY, XXY, XYY, all these different combos in people and that's that just happens. That's just Nature. That's just there. That's not how anyone feels. That is science. You can find combos in me, too. Especially if I'm on a road <laughs> trip or something. 
and I go a little peckish. I'm sorry, Sydney. I have to find this is I'm a, I'm kind of out of my lane here, so I'm trying to find my great jokes. Oh, I gotcha, I can. gotcha. And these are these pepperoni are... pizza pretzel. Thank you for asking, listener. That's <laughs> my brand. This is just the first layer, by the way. Even after you've got like the chromosomes sort of established, there's also like the development of the reproductive organs, what we usually refer to as the gonads. So like ovaries or testes. That's a really, it's a really funny word. I don't want to derail. I know, I know. It's a really funny word. Dang. And this this involves a lot more than just the chromosomes because you can get individuals who are XY who don't develop testes and vice versa. And I mean, so this is not a one to one thing. There is this belief that XY equals testicles equals man, and you know, vice versa for XX. And this, none of this is true. There are 25 different genes that work together to create the physical characteristics that we associate with sex. And any of those can change the course of things and create a variation. So again, all of these are ways that that sex can exist on a spectrum. And a lot of this is classified, you may have heard the term intersex before. Yeah. There's also differences in sexual development or DSDs. Okay. Um, is there a preferred term? I think it depends. I've heard that scientifically a lot of, like, researchers have adopted the term DSDs, but I've also heard that uh, from some intersex individual, like, activist organizations, they prefer intersex, but I think it would be an individual person. Like, I think you'd have to ask a person what they would prefer. There and there are a lot of these that can come into play depending on like hormones and receptors. Um, There and there are cases again that you don't always know that this variation might occur. There was like a seventy-year-old father who, back in twenty fourteen, presented with a. a, He was a father of four, seventy years old, presents with a hernia, and it ends up being there's a uterus and a fallopian tube in there. So testes or ovaries can develop, but this does not necessarily uh, align with any sort of, you know definite chromosomal array. Also, the external genitalia that develops next, that doesn't necessarily align with anything either. Because again, there are all kinds of hormonal differences and receptor differences that can affect what what develops, what you see, basically, when, mm-hmm. uh, when a baby is born, what you can look and visualize there. All of that is not necessarily tied to anything on a genetic level. Um, and again, it, there's even further variation when we get to like puberty, um, you can see changes at that point and, and variety that doesn't, again, line up with what you had assumed previously. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's also this this idea of brain sex, what your brain, what sex your brain is. Hmm. Um, and again, this is not something that I, – I feel like there are a lot of people who try to write this all off as, like, just something you believe – but there are also scientific like studies. There are scientific differences when we look at the structure and function of the brain when it comes to, for instance, there was a study um, that was done in people who uh, are transgender. And they basically said, if I look at the brain after looking at structure and function, the brain of a transgender woman structurally and functionally is more similar to a cisgender woman than a cisgender man. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and vice versa. And they've done these studies and proved them time and again. So, that, like, brain sex is a thing. There are real observable differences, which isn't the end-all be-all, but they are there. So if you're going to use science for your argument, you better make sure it's in your favor. And it's not. The science says sex is a spectrum, just like gender is a spectrum. Um, and these things, all these things I'm talking about, again, just to give you an idea as to, like, how not rare this is. So when it comes to 
um, intersex or differences in sexual development individuals, there used to be this argument that, like, this occurs in, like, 0.0506% of the population. This is, like, negligible. We don't even need to, which, even if it was. Hey, yeah, the zero was, we should probably try to think about everybody. Exactly. (laughs) But if you you want to start talking about how sex is a binary and all of this proves that that's untrue, then you need to consider every case where XX chromosomes do not, you know, default equal girl and XY boy. Um, And in that case, it's probably about 1.7% of the population. That sounds like a lot to me. Yeah, it's like 130 million people. Yeah. Right? So that's a lot of people. To put it in perspective, that's about the same percentage of the population that has green eyes. It's about the same percentage of the population that has red hair. And we don't consider either of those things so rare that you'll never see them or know anybody with them in your life. That's true. So these, you know, this- but we do have our own biases against them. If I could, <laughs> if I may be so bold, and maybe that's something we could all reevaluate too. So, in a lot of the recent, like, and and what brought this to mind for me uh, personally is, um, in our state of West Virginia, there was this horrific piece of legislation passed to ban transgender athletes from playing sports in high school and college, actually, um, all, all levels of schooling, that um, that are, like, with the group that is congruent with their own gender identity, right? And a lot of this was based on the idea that we could either do an external genital examination or we could do a chromosomal test and prove what their quote-unquote biological sex, this is how it was always worded, is, and that that's just science. But that's not true. None of that is true because there isn't a binary and you couldn't do either of those things and definitively prove anything because if you want to ask how can you scientifically determine sex, the answer is you can't if you're using sex as a binary. You can't because it's not a binary because it's a spectrum. So the whole argument falls apart at that point. And then further, like, what is your motivation for even doing that? Well, it's always to do harm. It's always to oppress and discriminate yeah, and right. d- deny someone of their, you know, natural human rights. So there's no reason to do it. But beyond that, scientifically, it just doesn't yeah. stand. Well, that should wrap, wraps it up. I guess we've solved another one, Sid. Well, that's not the whole story, though. Yeah. Because sex is not a binary. Okay. We've determined that. Gender is not a binary either. And while we here in the West may have only recently begun to say that out loud and acknowledge it, there are a lot of people all over the world who have known that for a long time. Mm. And I want to talk about that. But first, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. 
Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, hello. I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston, and we are the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news. We got an expose. It all the beans have been spilled via an Apple podcast review that said this show isn't well researched. <gasps> well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. Not since the day we started has it been well researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm going to come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, <laughs> you know what? Come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. <laughs> Where in the world is gender not a binary? Well, Justin, that I think again. Where there, could it be? When it comes to gender, um, the difference is, and I think you probably already understand that. What if somebody talks about sex versus gender? What is gender? Don't you dare! <laughs> don't you dare force me to answer a question here on this episode. I'm a listener, Sydney, not an answerer. How dare you? I so, shan't. I shan't <laughs> fall for your, your rotten tricks. 
gender has to do with it's much more of a construct right it's it's much more socially dictated it has it's, to it it's depends boys on and girls in no the, it's in, not <laughs> in the sense that we that we have under have understood it as this is it that's the labels that people want to put on it in the past yeah yeah this is what i'm but saying it, like but the, it has connotations ancient idea of like but not ancient but like our our connotation of quote unquote boys and girls in America, and everybody else and everybody else yes yes so gender has to do with like everything around us in our time and place. This is what I'm in saying. History. I'm not saying yes. literally. It's I'm not saying just like the understand the connotations that we have put on as a society. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So so gender is more complicated complicated and it's changed over time. Like what we associate right with different genders, what colors or clothing or activities or jobs or whatever, what their what our roles are, all those things can be. Uh, can change depending on where you are and when you are and which culture you're within. Again, in our in the Western view, gender was considered a binary that was sort of linked with that binary sex for a while, mm-hmm. right? Like sex was boy, girl, man, woman. Gender is the same thing or has been. I mean, I'm not saying again, I this is not true, but this is this was the perception. Gender is also man woman and it is linked with those sex definitions and that's that. Um and when you start to go to like what do you associate with each one? Traditionally in the west we've had this masculine view of what a man who is xy would be and this feminine view of what a woman who is xx would be. Right. As if that is the all-knowing truth, and that's on the, the end man of side. You got a kind of, I don't know, like a Justin McElroy type, who's sort of like the classic machismo man, <laughs> as we've understood in American culture. Right, like, you're sort of like a Justin McElroy type. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's on like one end of it. Yeah, in the classic, in the classic mold. Obviously, these definitions have mm-hmm. developed over time. But if you're talking about in right. the classic and style, if- machismo. That kind of thing. It's kind of like a just and and if you're looking for your classic feminine demure, you know, deferential, <laughs> right, <laughs> fainting flower. Yeah, that's me. That's all a city over. That's, type. Uh, You've got absolutely. kind of the classic, <laughs> the classic archetypes represented here on this podcast, which right. is very helpful because it gives you a place to start from, doesn't it? So the the thing is. While we may, and, and again, and especially in, I mean, let's just be honest, especially in the U.S., we have this view that like, well, this is the way we believed it. So obviously everyone else believed the same thing. And yes, this is the way it is. American exceptionalism, I believe. Is the right. And, and but Jingoism. this is, this could, could not be farther from the truth. There are lots of cultures throughout uh, time and place that have never viewed gender as a binary. And because they, you know, because gender was something that was much larger, more fluid, and a much bigger spectrum than what we view it here in the West, it reflects that innate understanding that sex is not binary either, right? Because we're talking about cultures that understood these things long before we could do a chromosomal array, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you look to Native American people, like in the United States, you can find like among the uh, Zuni and the Navajo people, the idea of two-spirit individuals Mm -hmm. being very common. Specifically in the Navajo tradition, there can be four genders. Mm. There's like a masculine, 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 feminine, feminine, masculine, feminine, feminine. And um, 
each of those has its own sort of, you know, again, because that's what we do with gender. We have like things we connotations we make, uh, roles that person plays in society, things they look like and do and act and be. And each of those has their own. And that's just that's part of that culture and always has been that no, there aren't two genders. That would never have been that's not the framework. That's not the structure. If we look as far back as the Kama Sutra. Nice. You remember the Kama Sutra? Oh yeah. There. <laughs> I used to watch several specials on Showtime devoted to uh, understanding that particular tome. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very well educated there. Uh, which is written between 400 and 300 BCE. Uh, there is recognition of other genders in India that far back. So again, these are not new concepts. These are ancient concepts. And uh, specifically in India, these individuals were thought to possess like a mystical almost ability, extra mm. abilities, especially in like the realm of like song and dance and, and you know, these beautiful sort of um, magical energies that these individuals had um, in, that fit into this third gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in 2014, the Supreme Court in India officially recognized a third gender. I mean, you know, there wasn't just male, female. There was a third gender um, that we would probably, in our terminology, refer to as in the West as transgender. Um, they use the term uh, hijra or kinar is their preference, which is actually a reference to a mystical creature in in India. But anyway, um, they are one of several countries now who have a third gender option, um, and now that has also been added with more um, in even Western countries recognizing. Transgender individuals and um, gender nonconforming individuals and non-binary individuals and everybody who didn't fit into that sort of false framework of boy girl. There are lots of countries who have followed suit now, but even earlier, this concept of a third gender that is ancient, that is not new, that is not the result of you know whatever whatever transphobic activists want to say it is. Right. <laughs> um, th- these are ideas that, are, that have existed long before the United States of America existed. And again, if we continue to look outside of our sort of cultural lens, among the First Nations people in Australia, you find sister girls and brother boys. Mm. Um, and among the indigenous communities there, gender has always been fluid and uh, more than a binary and something that was defined by asking someone and or them telling you and you then accept that because they know that and mm-hmm. that's the end of the conversation and yeah. no examination or you know blood test is necessary to prove anything further um and even when we try to use like our terminology like to define those brother boy sister girl what does that mean our terminology isn't even like the language we would use in the west is not enough for that we can't encompass all of the like cultural connotations of that and what those words mean. We could try to say like, well, that's sort of what that is the same as what we would call a transgender woman or whatever. But no, it's more than that because it's because their concept of gender is different than mm-hmm. what we have here in in the U.S. and assume is scientifically grounded mm-hmm. um, because it's all just a cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, in Hawaiian indigenous cultures, we have the uh, Mehus, who, again, defy this gender binary. In Samoa, uh, they have the Fa'afafin people. The, in Madagascar, the Sekrata. In the Oaxaca state of Mexico, the Muxes. There are lots of different gender 
categories outside of male-female that exist all over the world, all throughout time, all across cultures that just, and again, these aren't new ideas that have just always been. Gender is not binary. Sex is not binary. There are not two things. Um, So why, why do we hold so tightly in the U.S. to this false idea that this framework we have, this this sex binary, this gender binary is all correct. Oh, man. And that even though in many ways, like we're in the minority for believing it, that we should that we should impose this idea on our own people, let alone people who live outside the US. Oh man, I've been doing Sawbones long enough to 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 know when I'm about to have to start apologizing on behalf of my uh, gender and um race. Uh, and so I'm just gonna strap in and get ready because it's probably my fault, right? I mean, do you, are you, we using you the as a representation? <laughs> the the historical you, I guess, <laughs> for white heterosexual cisgender men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, it's all like. So basically, if you want to trace like the roots of, especially in these other cultures. So, cause, cause like to say that in all these other places that I just listed, that people who, who are not, who do not fit into some sort of binary gender framework are all completely accepted and celebrated in their communities and given all the same equal rights yeah, and, no, you know, no, I can't recognition. Imagine. No, that's not true. And, and it's still a struggle for people who live all over the world, you know, depending on, what culture they're raised in if they don't fit into this false gender binary. Um, why did that change? It's So it probably dates back to, first of all, when you go into like the Renaissance era, era there's this idea of like class hierarchy that starts to become very ingrained, right? The idea of like social strata. Um, there are the elite people, the, there's royalty, there are rich people. There are well-educated people. And then you go, you know, kind of down the ladder below that. And along with this idea of like a class hierarchy and the aristocracy and everything, and then the working classes below that, um, you start to get a hierarchy of other things that comes with it. So y- this is the ruling class. And along with the ruling class comes the ruling gender. Yeah. And that ruling gender is masculine. And masculine becomes associated with man, becomes associated eventually, we would say, with XY, although we're not at that point yet. So masculine men get placed at the top of this newly developed class and then gender hierarchy. Feminine, eventually women, as it becomes the binary, are placed below them. So first you have this like hierarchy of of gender roles that begins to develop. And with that comes all their roles and responsibilities in society and flip side, what they're not allowed to do. Right. Because as soon as you define who's in charge, everyone else is defined in relation to them and what they can't do or, you know, or are limited from because they're not that thing in charge. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was in charge was a white masculine man. Because just alongside this gender hierarchy that's de- being developed, as you start traveling all over the world, these Western, these European cultures start traveling all over the world, they also start developing their racial hierarchy, yeah. right? This is the same time where we start to see whiteness placed at the top, 
uh, masculinity placed at the top, um, people who own land, who have money placed at the top, all of that becomes like the center and everybody else just has to try to orbit around it as best they can. And as you get into like the revolutionary period Not of like the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, you start to see like <laughs> the American Revolution, the French Revolution. You again, you're talking about like a time where we're like supposed to be celebrating the rights of man, standing up for the rights of man. Man supposedly is the stand-in for humanity, mm-hmm. but it's not really right because as laws begin to be codified in the U.S., who's at the top? Who's allowed to vote? Who's allowed to own property? Who's allowed to make all the decisions over and over? And so you have to, if if that person who has that power is going to maintain and be in charge by virtue of their gender— You've got to very clearly define what is that gender and what isn't. And so then we get these sort of ideas of men who are masculine being the sex and the gender binary and women who are feminine, you know, on the other side. And then we take that framework and we force it upon every country that we colonize all over the world, not just the the U.S. alone, of course, but all the other colonizing nations. That's what they did. They took... This idea of a binary and every country they went to that had another idea, that had more fluid ideas, more a more of a spectrum idea of gender, every country they went to, they said, that's wrong or it's primitive or it's gross or it's immoral or it's not Christian, whatever, whatever they wanted to do to say it was bad, to demonize it and started to up- impose this idea along with all the other things colonization brought of gender as a binary mm. um, which is why you see that sort of like struggle to get back to where they were in the beginning in some of these societies like people who are uh, outside the gender binary trying to fight back to a time where like you know hundreds of years ago where that was normal and accepted and everyone knew that there were more than two genders because that's the truth and now they're trying to get back to that because of what the colonizers did But I think it's really important when you look at sex and gender to understand that we get this really limited perspective like, well, we know what the truth is. And that is so arrogant and wrong because, one, it's not the truth. You know, sex is not a binary. Gender is not a binary. And two, other cultures, other societies, other countries have known this for, you know, thousands of years. And just because it took us this long in the U.S. to figure this stuff out or to yeah. listen to people who've been telling us this for a long time doesn't mean that we just, gosh, that's us all over, right? We just discovered it. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, it, di- yeah. we discovered it today. Plan, plan we'll name a day after fl- us. Flag. Right. No, but like it, it, this has always been true. And I mean, that's great that we finally figured it out, I guess. Um, but that doesn't. But that doesn't negate the fact that there are a lot of other places where this has been known for a long time, and it is the truth. You know, when you start talking about, like, in a lot of these cases, what scientifically could we do to figure out somebody's sex, again, there aren't two sexes, so there and there is no reason to do this. Mm. It's not something that, you know, we should be doing, that we can be doing, that has value, other than to use as a tool of oppression— Um, And what we do know, what science does tell us on the contrary, is that validating someone's gender, validating who they are, 
um, and, you know, offering them appropriate support, using correct pronouns, offering people who seek out gender-affirming treatments or surgeries, making sure that they have access to those things. Um, that, science tells us, is often life-saving. Mm. It, it reduces the rates of anxiety and depression and self-harm. Those are, th- those are things that science can tell us, that validating someone's gender experience is the right thing to do, not just scientifically, although that's that's always nice too, but, you know, ethically. Now, Justin, as I said in the beginning of this episode, the impetus for this concept, this topic, is that I heard so many people making the argument that sex is binary and using science as a reason for discrimination and for denying people's fundamental existence, yes. right? And so that's why I felt like it was important to address that, no, actually, scientifically, that's wrong, and sex isn't binary. But regardless of all that, honestly, the only way to really you know, know someone's gender identity, it has nothing to do with all this, the chromosomes and the genes or genitals or any of the things we've talked about. The best way to do that is to ask someone, and then whatever someone says is valid and true because you don't have to have any sort of uh, proof to justify your identity. It is what you say it is, and that's it at the end of the day. So I think it's important to remember that while it's useful to know this science because so many people are using it wrong to discriminate against others, at the end of the day, the science isn't the point. Treating people with respect and dignity and validating their existence is what really matters. So there aren't two sexes. Go tell your high school science teacher that they were wrong. Yeah, go push them into a dumpster and say, hey, idiot. Don't do that. Hey, tough guy. Remember when you used to push me into a dumpster? Well, now I'm pushing you in the dumpster, Mr. Wilson. Well, he, I he please don't. Please don't. I had, I, had some great, I had some great science teachers. <laughs> that, but the thing is, like, and I, I've said this to my colleagues who I believe, you know, have a lot of knowledge in the scientific world. We were all taught a lot of of stuff that was wrong. <laughs> um, but, like, if we have, you know, open hearts and open minds, then we can learn that we were wrong. And not that this is new information that changed. Yeah, you're just wrong. We were just wrong. And, like, if you're not sure in science if we can be wrong, I mean, listen to our podcast. Yeah, we're wrong a lot. <laughs> we're wrong a lot. Not about this, though. This one I feel pretty good about. This no. particular no, we're we're on the right track here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, we got a book, the Sawbones book. If you want to, that, you can find it wherever fine books are sold, uh, or even bad books, like any book, like any pretty much any bookstore. Not a Christian bookstore, probably. That would be a pretty progressive Christian bookstore. But anyway, you know, books. It's called the Sawbones book. Uh, there's a paperback version that has some stuff about quarantine and and what have you. It's pretty neat. And I think you you would uh, you should get it. We got some other stuff there. We've got a fun horseshoe crab t-shirt and some other things uh, at McElroyMerch.com. So head on over there and check it totally out. Thanks also to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate it. That is going to do it for us. Uh, so until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.